Welcome to the Guildhall School Events Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Dora Schweitzer, who is designer on the forthcoming production of The Life and Adventures of Nicholas Nickleby Part 2. Um, Nicholas Nickleby Part 2 opens on Friday the 23rd of November in the Silk Street Theatre. So welcome, Dora. Um, firstly, we should say that for those people wondering what happens Part 1, um, we did stage it here um, in March earlier this year. Can you tell us how you got involved in the original production and became part of the creative team? Uh, yes, well, I've done lots and lots of shows with the director, Joe, Joe Blashley, who um, I do most of the shows that he puts on, whether they're at Guildhall or elsewhere. Um, so that was a kind of automatic thing uh, for us to work together, and we really get on together and we work very well. So, uh, and we're used to each other's process, which means we can function very well around each other and we don't have to waste lots of time not understanding what we're saying, hopefully. We'll find out on Friday. Um, and I've also done lots of shows at Guildhall before, before I met Joe. So I've been working here for, I think, about 12 years. Wow. On and off. I've mostly done one show a year and missed a couple of years and some, some years I've done two. So, yeah, that's and for people who didn't see part one, it's fair to say that there was an enormous set. It was quite a large scale set. Yes. And also, from what I remember, a huge number of costumes, because there's a large number of characters and actors playing several different roles, aren't there? So how, how did you come up with the concepts for something on that scale? Well, um, you, I approach everything very differently according to the venue. And the venue, because the theatre here at Silk Street is is really big and really well equipped um, you approach it in a very different way to how you might come to a small fringe theatre or somewhere even a West End theatre which have far smaller spaces quite often and have a very narrow proscenium so in here you can be quite experimental with what you do and you can be quite grand and then often when I've done shows here in the main house they'll be called a no build whereby uh, you don't get a full set build, you don't get construction time, you just get to buy and hire things in and have one day from construction and one day from paint. And in this case, because it's a full year, it was a full year show, which means all the drama students in the year were in it, um, they do a certain number of shows per year, which are build shows. And that was the, the first one we'd had for a while, Joe and I, because we did Feston last year, and that was a no build, even though it had an enormous set. Because you can't put a tiny set in this space here, it just look, it drowns small sets. So you have to kind of fill the space. So in other places where you might... Can I talk about Feston for a bit? Yeah, in Feston, uh, for instance, there are three scenes. There are lots of scenes set in one space and they use the dining room and they turn it into a bedroom. In the script, it's turn, it turns into a bedroom. But actually, we because we had all this space, we separated it and we t made three bedrooms and three bathrooms and loads of corridors and walkways. And we had the whole, we almost did the whole layout of a big chunk of the house because we had to, it was a really good way to use that space. And then you could get lots of people moving around all the time. So it should be positive. And the same happened in this. Um, you could do Nicholas Nickleby and bring loads of furniture into one small space and keep changing it but we've done we've created lots of different platforms and levels where where we can move the action around almost like on a film set you can move the action around from space to space 
and get lots of movement. Because there's a large chunk of story, isn't there, both in part one and part two to cover, and a large number of characters. So yeah, and for the people who missed part one, there is a huge recap at the beginning. That's uh, good to know. With lots of narration where all of the cast will tell tell the audience what they missed in the first half. So that's quite good. And so were you pleased with the way that part one worked in terms of, of the designs that you come up with? And has that how has that kind of taken been taken through to part two? Have you made any major changes? Yes, um, it worked very well in terms of the dynamics of the piece. It was really good. The only thing that was difficult, and it's partly because the actors are quite young and early on in their journey, and was that it was quite hard for people to be powerful enough on that top platform because it was quite far back um, and quite often we would start scenes up there and bring them down because it became difficult to hold focus up there so when we came to part two one of the major changes we made and it doesn't look major when you look at it in a photograph or if you can is we moved the whole of platform the, the three raised the highest of the three raised platforms we, and the bridge, we moved the whole thing downstage by a metre and it's created a far better relationship with the audience for those people up on those high levels. Oh, and it's okay. also made a, a much more friendly space because it's curved all of the platforms around so it feels more enclosed and the centre space feels more uh, set in a way as a, as a usable space. I think it's good. So we should say that designing a production at the Guildhall School means that your designs um, are implemented by technical theatre students. Can you talk us through how the process works from when you first come up with the idea to when they start carrying it out? Yes, sure. So the first thing that will happen is um, once, I've got the, once I've got the job and said yes and that, that I can do the dates, then we work through, we, I'll go off with the script. And the script wasn't ready in this case because it had to be edited and reduced and crafted a little bit because it's it's written to be four and a half hours long each half wow <laughs> and we had to fit it into two and a half hours more or less each half so um there was ways that waiting for that but we already we knew all the locations we knew all the scene um the scenes that we had to achieve and uh, as i was sort of saying before it, it became clear that we needed to have lots of different locations and that we wanted them to become quickly available so the first, very first sketch I did, I think Joe said to me, that Joe the director said, I'm thinking of London and Oliver Twist and bricks and archways and gloomy, rusty metalwork. And then I went away and did a drawing. And interesting, sometimes what you end up with finally is very, very different. But in this case, it's almost exactly, what I drew is almost exactly what we have now. So, um, and then we go into a process where we, where I produce a model box, um, a scale model, and then I take that backwards and forwards to him or he comes to me and we have lots of meetings where we um, talk through the, the space and how, and we actually move little people around or, you know, work our way around the space in miniature, working out where everything should happen and how things should be. And, and then I go away and remodel it and alter it. And it's, this is all in a kind of, white it's called white card but it's basically it's not necessarily white but it's a, a rough version and then we present that to the staff and sometimes a few students at Guildhall to see if they think it's practical and affordable and actually on part one uh, they sent us away and said it was completely impractical and far too big and they couldn't build it in the time they had and in the space they had 
so we asked what we could achieve how much we could achieve as a percentage and they said you can have 50% of what your original design was so then we went we in the meeting in front of them we just took out all the bits that we felt we could do without and actually I'm quite glad that happened because I think it was it was too much it would have been a big job it would have been it was just a bit set heavy for something where because uh, we'll get on to costume in a minute but there are so many costume changes and quick changes and when the when the RSC did their production of it they had a huge cast at least I think double our cast but we're because we have to minimalize some of our costume changes and, and prop changes and we use things again and again to then have an, an enormous set where everything was there felt feels a bit ungainly mm. and top heavy so it's actually been really good that we had to take away half of it it was just loads and loads and loads of walls and windows and extra bits of steelwork which all went and then they said okay that's looking at the in the meeting they said that's fine you can you, we can do that um, it will still be really tough but we'll do it and then we went away and I remodeled it and changed bits and then came back and then they, we had we have a production meeting we have a pre-production meeting and a production meeting and at all of those we go through all the elements and work out who's building what how it's going to happen who's painting how much painting we have and what props are going to be made and costume numbers and uh, all of those processes and then at that point I leave the final model at school and then until the rehearsals start that's it I go in frantically try and design 150 costumes and they cost out stuff I think the students start costing it about then and then we go into rehearsal and I come back and watch everybody realise it and that's I suppose a different slightly different process than you would um, have in a professional world because part of your role has a kind of educational side to this is that correct that you you slightly have a responsibility of giving students something that will be a learning process for them yes uh, definitely and I'm not officially teaching no. in any way but what I will be doing is supervising how things are well coming in and looking at how things are coming out and they've obviously got their tutors who work with them and supervise their work and then I'll come in and I might give a lot more time to the students than I would to somebody outside um, because they just it, it you know you can teach people so much within a very short space of time if you're looking at props and you can come out with come up with loads of ideas about other ways to do things or where you might go shopping you know they don't know all of the all of the places because lots of them are from outside London as well so they don't know those kind of pieces of information so I'll give them lots of help with that and we'll talk through lots of processes and so I think it is kind of a teaching it's a bit of a teaching process but not in the same way that the tutors work yeah with them. and you mentioned that you've worked at the Guildhall School a few times before is there something you particularly enjoy about working here is it is it that kind of student focus is what keeps you coming back I do enjoy that I enjoy working with they're, they're very excited about it when they get to the final piece it's quite exciting for the students to see it happen and you sometimes people get a bit jaded in the outside world and don't necessarily have that <laughs> that buzz um, what's brilliant ironically is you quite often end up with more facilities and more money in the school than you do in the outside world partly because they've got this wonderful big theatre partly because 
you don't pay for labour because the students are doing it. So you can have a big set build that would cost a huge, huge amount more in in real life because you'd have to pay all your carpenters and you know everybody. You'd have to pay a whole team of people to build that set that we've got for Nicholas Nickleby, and it was all that all comes for free. So you're paying for materials. So our budget will cover a, a lot more. So I, for me, it's great because I get a massive, great, fabulous set and lots of flying and all the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more achievable, yeah. which is good. And um, finally, does um, designing for a play set in Victorian times or a, you know, a period in history, does that bring specific challenges? Do you enjoy working on period designs? Yes. Um, when I first started out, I was doing lots of pub theatre and lots of very small-scale uh, fringy stuff and you tend to do a lot of new writing and I did lots of new writing and lots of it was by definition in modern dress yeah. although now there seems to be a fashion for lots of people to write new historical plays but at the time it was lots of modern dress and as I've gone through I've, I've done more and more period stuff and then, in fact the Dickens is my first Victorian ah, okay. play that I did that I've done out of 60 or 70 shows it's the first time I've hit Victorians I've done lots of Regency and earlier 18th century and Elizabethan, but nothing Victorian. So that was great. So every time I come to a job, I have to do new research and research into all the detail because, you know, I have a basic grounding in every period. But then you have to look into lots more detail when you're doing a whole show with 150 characters, which there are 148 characters in this play. Amazing. And they don't all speak, but that's... They all need a a costume. Uh, and they ha- and so we had to do things like we have to have a base costume for people and then they accessorise it and change it and put things over the top and take bits of it off because they can't have a hunt, they can't, if there's 25 of them, they can't all have six costumes. It's just not doable. So that's, um, so yes, so it's it, lots of research for period plays and the costumes have to have to be hired so they do cost quite a lot. You can't just go to the shop and buy things. So that makes a difference, I suppose. And props the same makes a difference. You can't just go out and buy them. You have to go and rent stuff and research it. Which is also a real learning curve for students, presumably, when they're, when they're working on your designs. They can see how you've gone back. Yes, and quite often ideas. they will never have come across that period either. Mm. So they'll have, a whole, they'll have a huge learning curve because they don't know anything about... They might not know anything about Victorian costume. They might not have ever done costume before, but in this case, um, our costume supervisor has done spe- lots of specialising in costume, but hadn't done Victorian before she did Nicholas Nickleby Part 1. So, um, yeah, it's a good process for them. Well, that's really interesting. Thank you, Dora. Um, we're really looking forward to The Life and Adventures of Nicholas Nickleby Part 2, which opens on Friday the 23rd of November in the Silk Street Theatre. Um, good luck with rehearsals. Hope everything Thank goes you. well. Thank you.